0: Hello, everyone. My name is Stephanie. Some of you may know me as @archivesteph Archive Steph on Twitter, and others of you may know me as at 2 on Instagram. And I guess in this podcast, these two different sides to me are coming together as one. As a little bit of context, my day job is as an archivist. And also in my everyday life, I also seem to still be an archivist. But I'm also an archivist who's disabled, I have diabetes, I have to take insulin and this has been a huge adjustment that I've had to make in my life and I'm already having to live with side effects of diabetes. Now in the past 20 years of my archives career, i found myself in that sector where we are looking at ways to make archives accessible to disabled people and that's why I decided to start this podcast, The Archive Cobbard. So, welcome to the Archive Cupboard. When I first started my work looking at archives and accessibility, I really didn't know where to start. Just because I was a disabled person myself didn't mean that I had all the answers. And I wanted to share my learning because I've learnt an awful lot over the 20 years. And that's where the idea for this podcast came from. (laughs) I was racking my brains to think of a title for the podcast and I thought, well, it is a bit like opening a cupboard door into a cupboard of records that perhaps haven't been looked at for 15 years, even longer, and taking something off the shelf, reading it and discovering a whole new thing. I hope that this podcast is going to be like that as I talk about different topics over the next couple of episodes. first episode I will be talking with Dr Angela Stien about her recent museum project on Instagram called the Lyme Museum the way that the Lyme Museum project works is that people contribute a flat lay this is a photograph taken from above of medications and other devices that help people manage their long-term health conditions and disabilities and I contributed my own Dr Stien is also a museum worker and she has Lyme disease and this is where the idea for the Lyme Museum came from. Recently I was lucky enough to get to meet with her at her in-person exhibition at the Documentary Media Centre in Leicester and we managed to have a chat about this exciting project. The first question I asked Dr Stienne when we met was where did the idea for the Lyme Museum
1: come from? The reason that I decided to work on this project is that I'm not just a museum researcher but I am also a person living with a chronic illness and a disability.
0: I'm in the exhibition here under my um, diabetes Instagram handle which is at spoon t2. I remember when I came across it I think it was on Instagram mm-hmm. it was in right in the middle of lockdown and I thought I was looking at it and thinking Actually, I'd really like to contribute to this because at the time I was struggling with my own diabetes, and it it kind of came to a pinnacle during lockdown. And it was a bit of a scary time, and uh, I re- I vividly remember sitting down and arranging all the stuff on on our bedspread, mm. trying to get <laughs> a good photograph. And you've contributed your own um, flat lay, haven't you? And your own story. I can see it on the wall here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I also remember when I did mine and it sort of started the the project. My flat lay is, uh, I did it just before the Lime Museum was created. Um, And it was a day where I was packing to go on a weekend. And I remember I was was staying at my father and I was sort of making sure that I didn't forget anything. And and unconsciously was putting all these objects on the floor. And I looked at them and I thought, well, it's it's, it's so interesting because I, I cannot live without, without those objects. But they're really mundane. They're not, you know, the things that you would see in a museum or the things that maybe people think about when it comes to, you know, big health changes. Uh, but every day in my bag and suitcases, I have all of these objects. And so I took this picture, sort of forgot about it. And like everyone else during lockdown, I started to look through pictures, I had to, you know, keep busy. And I saw this and I posted it and I thought, you know, this is what invisible illnesses actually look like. And because I was very isolated, I was back in France after living in in England for a long time. I saw all these people online that were showing their experience and and this community that's just wonderful, um, especially on Instagram. And I thought, you know, why don't we all do that? We have time, we have, our things are around us because all of us were home the whole time. And that's how the flat lay section of, of this project really started.
0: I think it's a really interesting way of looking at it because I think when you have a, a disability or especially an invis- invisible illness or disability, um, I think an awful lot of the narrative around it in the media is very performative so you have things like International Day for People with Disabilities and you get people kind of performing their disability as a way of awareness raising. But, you know, then the day moves on and you're back to the the normal reality.
1: Absolutely. It's the same with, you know, awareness days for illnesses. So I have Lyme disease and we have that in May. But then it's like, what about the rest of the year? And what about the visibility? And all of the sort of like everyday bleeds and we get because it's not visible. And that really this project was really about Well, we're going to make things visible. We're going to give people a voice, not just on that day. So that's kind of why also we're ending on this day. It's like, this is not just one day. It's sort of like, well, this is the end of this exhibition. But tomorrow we start the next project and we did the exhibition for 10 days, not for a day, because we don't want to be like, you know, it's important to have those days. To get the message out there, but it, it just—it has the change is so important. And it needs to happen every day.
0: So, what are your next plans with the exhibition? Because it, it's expanded so much since you started. It'll be interesting to see where it's going to go and what your plans are.
1: For the current exhibition, the materiality of invisibility, my hope is to have a touring. Uh, it's very easy to move, um, but it's also something that can be replicated. And so we're hoping that these uh, flat layers and the panels that we've created will tour England and hopefully um, the world. And, and I'd be really keen to have it in France as well, where I'm from. Um, so that's the section of the exhibition. And on the side, I'm really working on the education side. So we're doing an education hub, and I work um, as a freelance consultant for museums on how to do more accessible programming. So the idea is really this is the beginning. There's just so much to do and a lot of people see this as daunting, but I'm really excited to see how we can change the narrative and change accessibility and hopefully having this in a museum is a good start.
0: Definitely, definitely. And that's what's the great thing when you start working in this space to make uh, museums and archives, I'm an archivist, more accessible, is that it's really interesting. And I think it really improves your, your practice, obviously, but also it's it opens up so many other doors to you once you start looking at things in a different way and presenting things in a different way.
1: Absolutely. I did an interview recently where I said, you know, we always look at disability, but I mean, not us personally, but the outside world and, and chronic illness are something that's really daunting, really hard to accommodate. And the lived experience can be really difficult. I'm not glossing over it. But for companies and for places, it actually opens the door to so many sort of more opportunities. I always say that if people realize how absolutely resilient and creative people that have chronic illnesses are, the way that we can walk around our health, we can sort of be creative with our time, the, the sort of artistic expressions that come from people that have chronic illnesses and disabilities, is so fantastic that we knew how to walk remotely before the pandemic this sort of way to accommodate to know that if you have a bad day then the next day you know how to catch up how to make things work it's a superpower that a lot of places should just harness and that's really like the message that I want to keep sharing because I think there's just a lot of potential and people see barriers but I want to see the creativity and the potential
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today, Angela. Well, I wish you every success.
1: Thank you so much for joining the project during the lockdown and coming all the way here. It's wonderful to see the exhibition in person, but it's even more wonderful when the <laughs> participants are here. It's just a, that's the best sort of outcome for this exhibition. Oh, I
0: feel really proud. I think it's really great and to see it with everybody else's flat lace, it's brilliant. So, you know, I'm hopeful that lots of people will come when you do your next exhibition. Brilliant, thank you so much. Thank you very much. To find out more about Dr Angela Stien and her Lime Museum project go to www.thelimemuseum.org You can also find the project on Instagram at the Lime Museum where you can follow the museum and look at everyone's posts. Many thanks go to the Documentary Media Centre in Leicester. You can find out more about them and their work at www.doc-media-centre.org Now we are at the end of this first episode of the Archive Cupboard. I hope you've enjoyed listening and that you will come here again. Please do subscribe. If you'd like to contact me about this podcast episode or would like to contribute to my podcast, then please do contact me on Twitter at Archive Steph. You'll always find me there or on my website, which is www.archivesteph.uk. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.